1: In the Lord I will praise His word. In God I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear our prayer, O
0: Lord, let, and let my cry come to You. Do not hide Your face from me in the day. For the
1: Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. Rise up,
0: O Judge of the earth, render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked? And how long will the wicked triumph?
1: Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His I heart. hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known Your faithfulness to all generations.
0: I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. Actually, I'm not coming live. We're pre-recording this. Uh, due to the time restraints of our guests, uh, I am the editor at Sons of Liberty And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please go to Sons of Liberty or Sons of Liberty In fact, if you are listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you would like to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, you can go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, scroll down on the right side of the page, and we will be going live in the area, the second video down. You'll notice that it'll be live, and you can blow that up. And then you can click on the icon to join us in the chat. We usually have a lot of people in the chat room in the morning, and uh, great to have everybody there as well. While you're there, if you miss Bradley's show from the previous day, you can click on that and watch it. He'll also be live at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and that will be at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Right above that is a place where you can subscribe to our uh, newsletter that goes out every day. We don't rent your email, sell it, or spam you. And uh, you get one email from us a day that includes the morning show archive. That will include the video portion of the show, the podcast, and any links uh, videos, documents, any of that stuff like we normally do. We'll put it in one nice, neat little package that if you want to go back and go back through some things or you saw something there that you want to share with a friend or something like that, it'll it'll be available for you. And finally, if you agree with our message, you have the means to do so, and you want to do so, uh, support us. There's a donate button at the top of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us as a monthly a supporter as a son or daughter of liberty. That button is also available there. We don't do what anything that we do, whether it's radio, internet, or out among the people in the 50 states teaching our Christian heritage. We don't do any of that apart from the support that you give us as the Lord leads you to do that. And then finally, we have a store, and I've told you guys about this this week through Saturday uh, night, midnight. You can head over to the store if you've been wanting to get the coward shirt. We call it the coward shirt. It's really not a coward shirt. Cowards will not preserve, uh, did not establish the Republic. They won't uh, preserve it either. This comes in a multitude of colors. You can get it for 10% off through Saturday night, which is going to be, I think, the 9th uh, or 10th, excuse me, July the 10th, midnight, when you use promo code REPUBLIC10, that's the number 10, REPUBLIC, the number 10, all one word, you get 10% off as many of these uh shirt's here as you want to get, all right? Now, with that said, we have a special guest on today, and, um, you know, we just came out of Pride Month, um, and uh, in talking with Lynn, this is Wednesday, so we were talking with Lynn earlier this morning, and she said, I think they're going to make end up making this push it to where it's more than one month. It's going to be, you know, multiple months, maybe even just designated as a year, I don't know. But we've come out of that, and a lot of people have asked, uh, accused Bradley of hating people who are engaged in sodomy or lesbianism or this, this transgender. There is no such thing. That's a word they've labeled it with. There is no transition from man to woman or woman to man. There is none of that. And they accuse us of hate. They've done that with me. They've called in and asked and, uh, and things of this nature. And I thought, let's bring on some people that were engaged in that kind of a lifestyle, where they were you know in rebellion against God and all of us were in rebellion against God by some means or another but these are people who've come out of it they've been converted by the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh one of these people is uh, Janet Boynes and um she founded Janet Boynes ministry uh she's the CEO and founder she felt God's in her into life to help those who are trapped in the sin of homosexuality and yearn to be set free she seems this or she sees this as a holy calling Second Timothy 1.9, and has also been led to reach those who struggle with same-sex desires and gender identity dysphoria. God has further laid it on Janet's heart and with a great urgency to equip the body of Jesus Christ with the necessary information and skills that will help them address these controversial issues that are impacting the Christian church today. And it is my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty for the first time, Janet Boynes. Good morning.
1: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. What a
0: blessing you are. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I you know, I'm hoping that we're gonna be able to to look and see the same thing from you in the show. I know you have a, a, a track record of helping in this area and um you know it's not only the teaching, it's coming alongside these people and and showing them what repentance is. you know people came to John the Baptist and they said, "Well, what about me? You, you say I gotta bear fruits of repentance. Well, what does that entail and he would he would address the specifics of that, and it seems like that's what you do in your ministry. Do you want to open up by just sharing a little bit of your testimony and where you were, where God's brought you out, and what you're doing now
1: and and you're right. It's all about God. I could not be where I'm at today, Tim, if Jesus Christ did not enter into my life, even though I walked away from my faith for 14 years. But I saw fit as well when people started to help me to walk out of life. You see, being raised in a family of seven kids, four different fathers. Now think about it. I'm the middle child, I have a different dad than the rest of them. Raised by an alcoholic father who abused my mother when he came home drunk. Then years later, at the age of 13, following my sister to her biological dad's house and then being raped by him and then by an altar boy. Hey, that's some traumatic experiences that many of us have gone to. Now, if you look at statistics, I think it was a few years ago, National Institute of Health said 85% of lesbian women have been sexually assaulted. 60% of gay men reported childhood sexual assault. Now, the impact that had on my life didn't happen until in my 30s, but my life was spinning out of control and my life was being shaped by my early experiences. A lot of times people thought, Oh man, she's a bad kid. She's getting kicked out of school. No, I wasn't a bad kid. Bad things were happening to me at my house. I was being sexually abused. I watched my mother get abused. In turn, she started abusing us and calling us out of our name, you know, emotionally and physically. And then I started acting out of my pain. Well, I started doing what I saw my parents do. I thought that's how you handle your problems. I went to school and I beat up all the guys. I got in fights. I got kicked out of school because my life at home taught me that that's how you handle your problems. And so, being the child that I was growing up, you know, just being sick, not only inside, not getting the love and attention that I deserve and desire. I got myself in trouble all the time, and I thought by getting the beatings that I was getting from my mother, that that was my way of getting her attention.
0: Wow. You know, the things you're saying there, though, line up right with Scripture. We read in Deuteronomy 6, and we focus on this on Wednesdays when we talk about government usurpating their power um, and going into the parents' jurisdiction to teach. God tells us as parents were to have his commands in our heart, were to impart them to our, were to, to, to teach them to our children. When they lie down, when they get up, when they're walking in the way, were to paint them on the doorposts of our house. You know, it's it's the parent's job to teach them. And so I think what I see there is your parents weren't doing that. They were teaching you other things And we had Deanna Lynn, who was in, she was in uh, prostitution and in the porn industry. She came on and talked about the same thing. She said her mom started introducing her pornography at five years old. And she thought, this is what a woman's supposed to be. This is what a woman's supposed to do. And when she got into it, at first, you know, it's flattering. And then after that, it's not. So you have a similar thing. And God, you know, I think a lot of the, the people who are involved in homosexuality, is exactly what you're saying. They've been abused themselves, and as they grow up, they're they're confused about things, and they they don't see God as being there, and then they in in turn end up putting it on somebody else. Um, well, they blame God,
1: Tim, yeah. and and they blame God and say, "Oh God, it, it's your fault." And you know, God puts us in families for a reason. I believe every child you know, needs a parent and God gives us a parent because when we go off track, they're there to re- redirect us. At least we hope. Amen. But a lot of times, you know, people are like, well, why aren't you blaming your mother for everything that she did to you? Well, wait a minute. How can you blame somebody for something that they didn't really have the tools to do better? I know what my grandma was like, you know, she probably abused my mother. And then in turn, my mother knew, didn't know any better. She was illiterate. You know, she passed away, you know, a year ago, but my mom didn't have the tools that she needed to become the mother that I believe that she could have been, even though later in life, I had the best relationship with my mother. um, I didn't have it at that time. So these were the cards I was dealt with, but just think about this. You know, a lot of parents talk about, well, my child's in homosexuality. My child is doing this. My child is doing that. And I talk with a lot of parents who even have um, gay couples come over their house and have a relationship with them and thinking it's not a problem to their child. But wait a minute, what are you telling your child? You're telling your child, wait a minute, you can have a homosexual relationship and you can have a heterosexual relationship. That has an impact on your child because you're sending the wrong message. That's right? Minds are impressionable. And we have to be careful what we put in front of our kids, who we surround them with, and what they're watching on TV, because it's going to have an impact.
0: Yeah, it is. And I appreciate you saying that about the card you're dealt. In God's providence, that's that's the card you're dealt. That That's part of His providence. And I and I don't think people see this, at least in, in the moment. They can see it in hindsight, that He puts you in those situations that He might be glorified uh, in, well, in some cases, to bring judgment because people harden their hearts towards him. And in other cases, so that he might show mercy, like in your case. And the tools that you needed are found in the gospel, in the word of God. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that, about your conversion experience? Because you've had all these bad things that have happened to you. So what made the good news so good to you?
1: Well, it's amazing because I believe growing up, Tim, that I gave my heart to the Lord. There used to be a bus that came by and picked us kids up you know, and took us to church. And, you know, I believe back then I gave my heart to the Lord. I was a Episcopalian, but I didn't learn, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ in my Episcopalian church. But as time went on, I ke- became very close to my eighth grade English teacher who took me under her wing. She was like a mom to me. She's the only one in my school who wasn't afraid of me. But she said something that I thought was very important. She said, boy you have a lot of potential. And so she took me under her wing and and worked with me on my on my schoolwork, which I I commend her to this day that I'm the person that I am because of her. But she moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota in 1979. I went on to college in 76. And then in 79 I came to live with her. And that's where I really started thinking about lesbianism. I wasn't a lesbian growing up. I dated guys. I went to the school prom. I was, you know, you know, having sex like other kids were, you know, when we weren't supposed to. And I literally sold my soul to the enemy, to the devil. I was getting high and one girl came up to me and invited me to church in 1980. And I went to church and gave my heart to the Lord. I met this awesome guy who courted me for for three years, which were very exciting times for me. I thought I was going to get married in 1985. Long and behold, there was a woman that I started hanging out with at my job. Her pastor, her dad was a pastor you know, in the St. Paul, uh, Minnesota area. And I started hanging out with her on a regular basis. My fiance was a professional bike racer. So he was on the road quite a bit. So, you know, you gotta build a community and have friends. So we hung out. Well, one night I didn't know she was a lesbian or even had them thoughts. You know, one night I stayed at her house and she said, why don't you spend the night? And she said, it's late, why go home? I wind up having a sexual relationship with her. Next day, under the Assemblies of God, I called my pastor, had a meeting with him, and he told me three things, which were the right three things. Call off your wedding, tell your fiance and get some help. I did two of the three. I called off my wedding, and that's when I walked away from the Lord for 14 years. But during that time that I was away from God, I walked away from him. He didn't throw me away. He didn't walk away from me. I made a choice to go into that life of homosexuality. I never believed at that time. I was born that way. I never believed that. I just knew that I must have had something going on inside of me, deeply rooted, that was not taken care of. I didn't get counseling, you know, for the abuse I went through. And I believe there was a healthy fear of going into a relationship, thinking that my relationship would become what I saw in my parents growing up.
0: Now you you're, you have this this relationship, so this this leads to a thing, and I, I'm glad you said you're the one that walked away from God, not him from you. And then we go to somewhere like Romans one, where you know, okay, God says if you want to not honor me as God in this, then I'll I'll leave you that I'll turn you over to these things. What is it like for a person to to just go there? What kind of change? I mean, you're you're talking about this pain, these the sufferings that you've had. Due to the life that you grew up in, what happens in a person's mind and there and you said on the inside to them when they decide to go against, you know, we 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 call them crimes against nature, but they're they're engaged in that. There's something that seduces a person to do that. What are some of those things that 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 does that that trips that in there? Is it just a, a lust from within that that drives that? I guess much like a heterosexual guy would. Would lust after a woman, Jesus warned us about that even from the heart. Is that something similar to that?
1: It really is. I believe for me, I was drawn away by my own lustful desires. You know, that's like anything. I was reading something about sin the other day on borax and sugar. Think about that for a minute. You mix the two to try to get rid of ants. The borax and the sugar come together, it becomes enticing to the ants and they start gravitating towards it. And then the more they eat it, the more they consume it, the more they want it. That's what it was like for me with homosexuality. The more I started going out to gay bars, the more I started having sex with a same sex person, I was having fun. Sin is fun for a season.
0: It is, it is.
1: The Bible says you are drawn away by what? Your own lustful desires, not Christ's lustful desires, not your mom's lustful desires. These were my lustful desires. I was so into becoming a man. I was thinking about transitioning. I was dating women who were a lot more feminine than me because I had something to prove. I wanted to prove to my stepfather that you can be a man and not abuse women. And that was my set-out goal of the mindset of being something that I knew I couldn't be, but I didn't know that at the time. I was determined to try to be a man. I wore men's pants. I wore boxers. I strapped down my breasts. I did all those things, except for I have gender reassignment surgery. But I was on my way to thinking that I could be something until after three or four years, I was empty. All those things, the hard heart, wanting God back became a desire for me. I started thinking, oh my gosh. This is no fun anymore. I was starting to get high more. I was selling drugs. Uh, the police bust out my house, the FBI, and found drugs in my home. I thank God I was never arrested and I never got a felony. It was some other friend's drugs, but they did not put me in jail. I am one lucky girl. I should be dead right now. And I'm alive because of what God has done in my life and how I responded when he started working on my heart. And I wind up saying yes. I had a cleaning business in Maple Grove, Minnesota, and there was a church like literally a mile down the road. And I would go past this church on a regular basis and something inside me Tim kept sensing, I'm gonna to go to that church one day. And I used to say to my girlfriend, I feel like I'm gonna to go to that church one day and I think I'm gonna write a book. And she would look at me like, what are you talking about? I would ask myself, what am I talking about? But I really believe that was something God was putting in my heart, that he was moving me in that direction. I could sense God working on me, but God knows our heart. He knows how sensitive we are. Five years later, I'm at Lifetime Fitness, leaving my job. I maintained their cardio. I had a staff there, and I said, look, I'm going to go to the store. Let me say this. I never went to the store at 3 o'clock in the morning since I put myself in treatment back in 1989. So I really never went out that time of night unless I was you know, going to work. I went to the grocery store. A woman was coming out as I was going in. And we stood and had a conversation. I said, ma'am, you're out here three o'clock in the morning. Don't you know you can be robbed or, you know, somebody could take advantage of you? She said, oh, just drop my son off at school. I said, ma'am, really? What school is open at three o'clock in the morning? And she said, um, college. My son, I had to drop him off at the dorm. My husband and I are going on vacation. So I have four big boys, so I need to get some groceries. I said, well, what school is open? She said, North Central Bible College. And that's where the wheels started turning because I could relate because before I walked away from my faith, I took homiletics and hermeneutics at North Central. So I knew this woman was a Christian. And so as we engaged into a conversation, I told her I was a lesbian. I said, you're a Christian. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, I walked away from my faith a long time ago. I'm living a homosexual life. She pulled out a brochure and invited me to church. It was the same church that I walked past near my house on a regular basis. This is five years later. How faithful is God? Two weeks later, I went to church and rededicated my heart to the Lord.
0: That's that's amazing. You know, I have a similar thing where God had me reading the Bible, and I couldn't tell you what I read. I mean, I'd read it, even the narrative, and I wouldn't know. But all along, I look back, and it was God putting his word in my heart, making me question Going out and engaging in some of the simple behavior that I was engaging in, and going, how? Because I had done the same thing as a kid. I was, I was a preacher's kid, and h- I, I would ask, how can I do these things and enjoy them, and and be a Christian? Because it, it wasn't making sense, even what little bit I could grab from the Bible of what was going on. And it sounds like you have a similar experience. And God put somebody in your way uh, to to show you the way. So what happens after that? What happens after you you make this move from that meeting with the lady at night? uh, What what takes place in your life after that?
1: I believe, Tim, God puts people in all of our paths. We get to say yes or no. And and let me say this before I go on and answer that question. There are more ex-Christians in the homosexual life than there are coming out. So you see, our kids know the gospel. We don't have to throw that in their face. They know the gospel. But with this church, what I loved about what they did, it was Maple Grove Assemblies of God Church. It was a church that I was supposed to get married at was Maple Grove Assemblies of God. And God led me to an, an Assemblies of God Church. What they did was invited me to a Bible study. And it was for 10 women. It was so funny because it was on the Tuesday night. I went to this Bible study, listening to Tammy, had a scarf on my head and I looked just like a man. I had boxers on. I was going to go to work afterwards. I didn't know what to expect, you know, but I got to this door and I tried to backpedal. I could not move. It felt like I was in cement. I could move forward, but my feet wouldn't go backwards. As I think about it today, I know it was something the Lord did, but I went in and I sat down and they recognized that it was me because they were expecting me to come. And we did this go around and everybody told me their name. And I looked at these women in so much shame and guilt. And I said, I'm Janet and I'm living a homosexual life. But if you help me, I will serve the Lord the rest of my life. And you that's just what they did. These women just loved on me. They didn't look at me and say, oh, my gosh, you're wearing men's boxers or, you know, you have your breast strapped down. You need to change. Nope. They allow God to change me from the inside out. And as time went on, about three to six months later, a family came to me, one of the leaders in the group, there was two women, and asked me if I would like to come live with them. And I went and lived with this Christian family for a year. I was at the age of 40. I sold my home. My girlfriend moved out. And that's where the journey began because this was a process. I tell people, it took me 20 years to look this good, but I continuously put... (laughs) to the other and allow God to change me. Now, is the work complete? The work is never complete until we go home to be with Jesus. He's always working on things in my heart and in my life. I mean, I still deal with, you know, rejection and, and not having the love of a parent around. I still deal with that on a regular basis, but I know how to get myself through it. I don't allow those things to dictate how my life is going to move forward.
0: Amen. Amen. Now, you you it, it's taking you some time and as you said, we're all a work in progress. We're all we all have sanctification that God is doing in our life and he's cleaning up areas, he's putting his finger on one area. When he gets that kind of straightened out, then he'll put his finger on another or he may put it on several areas. So I understand that. What happens that that brings you to the point and can you give us a little bit of insight at, because I think Christians need to understand this. I hear some people who are Christians and, you know, they just, if if they weren't engaged in a certain kind of sin, like what we're talking about here, then they look at some people, or they, they call themselves Christians, they look at some people as though, well, they're just this, I you know, I can't have that, and I can't be dealing with this, that, and the other. And I remind people that, you know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he was dealing, I think he was really dealing with, gender benders in 1 Corinthians uh, 11, when he's talking about the woman shaving their head and the guy's growing the long hair. Now, I have long hair, but I think what he's talking about is he's the, they're trying to look like the opposite sex. And he talks about some of them were engaged in those homosexual practices. And he says, such were some of you. You were engaged in these things, but you've been washed, you've been cleansed. What did these ladies do when you talk about they loved on you? Can you give us some practical application of what they did to help you uh, to repent of the things that you were doing?
1: You know, when you take something away from somebody, you need to build a new community, just like drugs. When that was taken away, when I put myself in treatment, I started doing something good for myself, which was working out. What I liked about these women is they would invite me out with them to their families' homes. All the women, I went from one place to the next where even when they went out on dates, some of the couples, they would take me with them because they wanted me to see how their husband treated them because I was curious. And when he pulled the chair out for her, he would always go, don't you sit down. I'm going to pull the chair out for you. And so I was learning these things of you know how a man should treat his wife and how a wife should treat her husband because I never understood that. The other thing I thought was important is that we pray together, something I never did at my home. The family I live with, I used to hear her and her husband outside of my door praying for me, and then they would go to each one of the kids' door, and I could hear them praying for them. Amen. You know, the type of things that I didn't do at my home, but more importantly, they didn't want to change me. I remember talking to Pastor Greg, and I wanted so much to do things differently. They would bring me in the office, and they would pray for me and pray over me. And I remember one day I said to the lady that I was living with, I said, you know, sometimes I want to tell you you look nice, but I'm afraid that you think I'm attracted to you. She said, Janet, the day you gave your heart to Christ, you are a new creation. We don't hey, man. stop that here. So you Never have to worry about it. You can tell me I look nice all you want. And and the other thing that I think is important is that when I was ready, I went to them and I remember saying to the lady at the house, I said, Julie, will you show me how to put on makeup? And so she took me to JCPenney's and we put on makeup together. And then I went to one of the pastor's wives and said, you know, I don't have any girls clothes would you take me shopping? Then they took me shopping. Of course, that was a process for me over the years. But each time I went to them, they didn't look at me and say, oh, I don't have time or I'm too busy or maybe tomorrow. They made it happen. We did it like the next day because they knew that this was a process for me, but I was starting to open up more and God was starting to heal me. They were starting to see the change and they wanted to be a part of it. And none of them look at me today and take any credit for what the Lord has done in my life. Amen.
0: Amen. (laughs) Wow. I, you know, I, I just, I think that is the epitome of what we, what we call love is that they have loved you in spite of what you did, which is what God does too. Uh, He sent his son to die for us while we were sinners. Right and uh, and they've demonstrated that love. We talk about that here at the ministry that our love is not with just with words, but it's in action, it's in deed that we do that. 1 John 3:18 teaches us that. And okay. so I'm glad to hear that. Now, what happened? Okay, so you got your makeup on. You're getting all girly, you're getting I guess some dresses and and some some women's clothing where where you're appearing as a woman. And you you get you get that down. You say that that all of that was a process for you. You're learning how a man treats his wife, how a wife is to treat her husband. You're seeing all this fleshed out. How does that lead to where you are now, to where you're helping, you know, other, I guess, men and women who are engaged in that, in that particular sin, and that life, It's become a life, That sin has become a lifestyle to them. You're helping them. You're. I'm. I'm assuming you're applying the same principles and doing the same thing that was taught to you to them. How, how did you get to that place?
1: I believe what was done with me was right. I believe they did it well. And just so viewers will know, this was a process. My change didn't happen overnight. You know, a lot of people say, well, come to church and your life will change. Yes, it'll start changing from the inside out, but not always the outside in, because the outside in, Came later as time went on, as God started to heal me and I started to know who I was in Christ. And I knew my identity. I knew that the Lord, you know, ordained me in his womb and he made me this wonderful female. I was starting to walk that out. It's funny that you asked that because I remember when I went to shop by myself, I would always find myself at Macy's in the men's department because that's what I was accustomed to. But then, you know, I would think, oh, I'm supposed to be over here. And I would literally run out of the store crying because I didn't know how to dress. So I would Google certain outfits that I would like to wear, like Hollywood. What are they wearing? Then I would take pictures into the store and ask the ladies at the store if they would help me. And the women started helping me. I would try on things and they would bring me stuff. I didn't realize I had that, you know, at the um, at the shopping malls, at the women's stores where they help you you know, buy clothing and stuff like that. And that's the way my life has always been. If I'm not sure of something, I have so many great women in my life that I can go and ask certain things. I know if I, you know, God brings the right guy and I get married, I know I'll be able to ask their spouses and them all the questions about marriage, but I know I'll have to put that thing into corresponding answers. I mean, questions and answers by acting it out and getting married and learning on my own. But at least I have people coming alongside of me. As I was saying earlier, this is a process. It's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other. But what was really important, and I think the foundation is right, that I read my Bible on a regular basis. The Bible says that if you hide the word in your heart, you won't sin against Come it. Come on, that's it. My word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And So I knew that God's word exuded inside of me. What was in me even before I backslid? started coming out of me. I was starting to remember the scriptures that I memorized before I even walked away from my faith. And so that foundation of God's word and my intimate relationship with him and praying on a regular basis really set me up for success.
0: Amen, amen. I, You know, and, and to God be the glory for that. Uh, he uses the means. We're thankful for the means that he uses of the friends that come into our life who help us in that. Uh, but he's the one who's doing it, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. They they have no concept, and that's why they kind of say, "Yeah, I'm not." But I see something in you too. Even before you're converted, you have this desire to be honest about who you are, what you're engaged in, and the fact that you're open to say, "I would get out of this if I just knew how to do it." That's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty um, honest reply. To what's going on? And I don't, I don't find a lot of people when I share the gospel. I find some who are like that, but I find a lot of people who just yeah, I'm not interested in any of that, and uh, and they don't have that honesty to deal with their own hearts to, to expose who they are and say, yep, this is who I am, the warts and all, and I want to be changed in that. And uh, so I'm glad to hear that you, you have that. Now, how do you get in from where you are? And, and by the way, let me ask you did did you did you finally marry?
1: I didn't, you know, I've been okay. out of it, like, I'm i 63 years old.
0: Okay. Well, you don't look 63.
1: <laughs> but I I walked out of that life in 1998 and I literally would say all the time, Lord, for the sake of marrying, I don't just want to get into a relationship because I'm lonely or out of my pain. I want to be in a relationship that you put me into. Now, it's not from a lack of not wanting to be married. I've been out on dates. Most guys I've been out with want to have sex outside of marriage, and I'm not willing to do that. So they dump me. In all honesty, I'm very transparent. Amen. And most men that I've seen, even on dating sites, Christian sites, they want to have sex outside of marriage. I desire to be married. However, I will take what the Lord has given me. If it means that I need to be single to fulfill you know, the 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 goal that he has for me, then I'm willing to remain single because he has really given me the grace to do what I'm doing and keep my eyes on him. So every day, I have to do what everybody else does. I have to trust God, put one foot in front of the other, and, and look to him. Temptations, I don't have a desire to go into a homosexual life. The Lord has totally taken that away. But you know, I do get lonely. There's times when I, I wish I was with someone, you know, the enemy likes to tempt me in that area, but I have not done that, and I don't plan to do that. I plan to keep myself sacred, you know, until I get married, if not, then I'll go home to be at the Lord. Single, and I'm okay with
0: that. Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul said that that you can do that too. In fact, you can give yourself more to the work of the ministry uh, rather than uh, you know having somebody that you're trying to please, your husband or your wife. You can do those kinds of things. What are some of the stuff that you, now you're you're in ministry and you help other people who are trapped in? As I read in the um, in the introduction, the bio for you here. You help people who are also trapped in that same kind of sinful lifestyle. What are, Can you give us some examples? You don't have to mention people's names or anything, but can you give us some examples of some people that you've helped along the way uh, with regard to this?
1: Yeah, I, like I tell people, I think the most important thing is to get in a good Bible-based church, which I did. You know, get yourself involved because when you take something away, you know, you got to add something. A lot of times when you get to a church, you want to just sit in the pews, get involved. That's how you start building community, you know, and some people come and they might not look like a female and they have given a heart to the Lord. They're not having sex. They're tithing. And a lot of times they're rejected because they don't look like other women or men might not look like other men. However, I believe there's a place for them in the church where they can volunteer and grow into the things of God and build that new community. That's something that I think is very important is what I do and what I recommend. We also have a Bible study for women uh, twice a month. It will stop in September. I don't lead it. Um, A girl that leads my women's ministry does that. There's parents that get on and there's women that came out of that life and they love talking with each other and working together. What we try to do is help parents have a better understanding on how do we deal with that issue. My new book, Got an LGBT Community, that is coming out in July. Many people have a copy of it because of the NRB, and we gave free copies. But that book really helps you on how to pray for my child. What if they're having a civil union, which the world calls marriage? I don't call it a marriage. It's not a marriage. A Marriage is between a man and a woman. I call it a civil union. I know the gay community think it's disrespectful because the government says it's a marriage, but God says it's not. So Amen. I help them understand how do we deal with that? How do we pray? What if my child had gender reassignment surgery? What do we do? You know, do we support him Do we or support her? Do we give him money? We deal with all that stuff in that book. So if people contact our ministry, you know, we want to give them tools on how to fish for a lifetime. We can't do the work for them, but we will give them the tools to walk this journey
0: out. Amen. Can Can you uh, elaborate on that just a little bit? You, let's say you've got a. Let's say you've got a parent. Let's give a couple of illustrations, and maybe you give some things out of your book. And I, we're going to have the link up here for Janet's ministry. If any of you are dealing with any of this, and I know we have some listeners who have some children, they've told me that they're in a homosexual relationship with with somebody. It, I think it's. The ones that I think of are, are women, actually. there I, I don't think I've run across the ones that have the boys, but the women have had that. And um, <clears throat> can you give us any, a couple of examples? Let's say that uh, some of the, the strategies that you use there about your child tells you that they're engaged in this kind of relationship. They're engaged in this sinful, sinful behavior that they're in. Or... The, they're they're actually going through this process. Maybe they've taken these hormone blockers, or they've actually went through a surgery. And you know, Janet, I got to tell you, I think our, our language gets stolen from us, and that's partly why we get it. That's why I say I don't use the term "gay" uh, because I think it was a marketing tool to make it more palatable for people, rather than saying they're engaged in sodomy or they're engaged in lesbian and this and the other. But let's say let's take those two examples. What would be some things that you would prompt parents? Um, to do with their children who are either engaged in that behavior or they've taken this road to where they're mutilating their body to make it appear that they're the opposite sex?
1: Well, there is no magic switch to you know flip from homosexual to heterosexuality. I believe people are wounded. I believe they're broken. And I believe we need to get to the root cause of what got them there in the first place. You know, ch- children or our kids never see the the big picture. And that's why God gave them parents to help them, you know, see the world more accurately. And we know that many of our Christian, our children are going into life. Matter of fact, the percentage, when you said women, there's more women going into the homosexual life than men. And a lot of parents, one of the questions that they ask me is, my child, and some of you aren't going to agree, but I'm going to tell you why I believe what I believe. Parents say, well, look, my, my son or my daughter has a same-sex partner. They want to be able to bring that partner over for Thanksgiving or Christmas or birthdays or holidays. They want to engage in you know, the family um, fun, if I may put it that way. And I tell parents, look, if your child wants to come over, bring them over. Let your child, that's your child. You should never reject your child. I don't care what they're dealing with. But you get to say if you want them to bring their same-sex partner over. You have to understand that this is an abomination to God. God says that homosexuality is a sin. Will you allow someone to look at pornography in your home? Will you allow your heterosexual son or daughter sleep together, not be married marriage in your home? You wouldn't do that because it's wrong. It's a sin. You wouldn't allow pornography. You wouldn't allow drugs. You wouldn't allow people to shoot up or do those type of things in your home homosexuality is a sin. God said it's wrong. It's not that you're rejecting your son or daughter's partner. You're just not allowing that to, or put your stamp of approval on them bringing their same sex partner over. It's a sin. It's wrong in God's eyes. You're saying, well, Janet, they're human. It's a sin. God says it's a sin. It's an abomination that a man should not sleep with another man as he does with a woman. That's why I think it's important that parents do not allow their same-sex partner to come over. And people tell me I'm hateful by saying that. I have a niece and nephew that is living that life. My niece was just in town and her girlfriend was with her. My niece came over my house. I didn't bring her same-sex partner with me. This is my home. I'm not going to allow that in my home. I will support her in every sense of the way, but I will not support her, but I will always love her. And and she knows I'm always going to be there for her. And that's where I stand when it comes to this issue, parents. It's going to be tough, but Jesus should be the first person that you want to please. And as for me and my house, we need to serve the Lord. God gave that child for a reason. And if you're not the example, who else will be? Let me tell you what a friend of mine said to me. Actually, one of my board members, they wrote the uh, pamphlet on my website, My Child is Gay. They said that their daughter said to them about three years ago, if you would have caved, if you would have allowed me to bring my same-sex partner into the house, I would never be walking with God today. I would never believe the gospel because you taught us that that was a sin and that was wrong. And why would you give in to something that you told me was not right. And if you don't believe the Bible, how can I believe the Bible? Amen.
0: Amen. No, it's it's as the old preachers once said, it's putting it in shoe leather. It's not just saying it, it's it's responding to it. And I appreciate the fact that you said you were looking to honor God in that. You're, you're not looking to honor your kid in it. You're looking to honor God. You're looking to love your kid and show them, no, look, it's going to be much worse for you. In the, I mean, I think what you're teaching is it's going to be much worse for you in the future should you face God uh, in in your sin. It's going to be much worse. And I'm just saying you can't come in my house. God's going to say, you're not going to be in my, in my presence, in my grace forever. In fact, you're going to be under my wrath forever. And so I think that's a good thing to teach the people. Another thing that uh, you and I were talking just before the... Um, the show, while we were working out some technical difficulties there, and we were talking about a lady by the name of Rosaria Butterfield, and I know you had heard about her, and one of the things I read in her testimony was this idea, and I don't think people get it. I think they think that it's just, well, everybody's out to have sex, and that's, that, you you mentioned that's a part of it, but some of these people form these, these tight-knit relationships. They've taken something that isn't marriage and called it marriage. They've built the house together. They've got pets together. They've got the same friends they've I mean their whole life is tied up with one another and what you said if you take something away there's there's a vacuum there and something's going to fill it and it has to be it has to be what the gospel presents and what the word of god teaches and I'm glad that you made that so clear but Rosaria helped helped me understand these emotional ties these physical ties some of them weren't even sexual they were just you know, you could say they're, they're, they're in the bonds of friendship, but they, they cross the line of love when they're engaged sexually or romantically or any of these kinds of things. And um, <clears throat> I think you've given the audience a pretty good idea of how that's done. It's it's lived out before them. It's not preached at them so much. It may be taught, but it's not preached at them so much and then walk away. But somebody has to come along and and show them what it looks like of what they're calling them to. And uh, that looks to well, me like what you're doing now.
1: That's emotionally matched is what Rosaria is talking about, because there's a lot of women that are really emotional, you know, in match they have bought a house together, they live together, they're not sleeping together no more, they both gave their heart to the Lord, but there's still a tie there where they need to separate and have their own identity, you know, with Christ and not with each other. And so I I understand what she was saying about that. And that is happening too often. But I believe those of us that believe that, you know, we need to separate ourselves for a season or a period of time with the person that we are with so we can engage and build that relationship with Christ. Him first and everything else has to come second. That's where I stand. And I can't back down from that. However, the backlash has been fierce. Yes, you know, standing up for righteousness, right? Standing with God, but Tim, if not us, then who?
0: That's right. Yeah, nobody else is going to take that stand. That's exactly right. Let me ask you a question. Now, this is this is on the same subject, but I, I'm kind of curious as as to your thoughts. You're, you're familiar with Milo uh, Yiannopoulos?
1: Mm, I don't think so.
0: Okay, all right. <clears throat> he is a guy who um, a lot of conservatives praise because he spoke. A lot of the stuff he had to say was very conservative. A lot of Christians could have said, "Amen" to to a lot of things that he said, but he was just an open sodomite. I mean, this, he would he would wear women's wigs, women's clothes. All this, uh, he was on a multitude of shows and all of these things. Very effeminate, uh, very open about what he did sexually, uh, even concerning a priest in the Catholic Church who had. We would say abused him. He he didn't think he'd abused him at the time. Anyway, he has recently come out and threw away his quote-unquote engagement ring from his partner. Uh, mm-hmm. le- you know, they said they were sleeping, you know, separately and all this in their house and all this. And that he's become a Christian. He's coming out. I was going to ask you a little bit about how you perceive that because my perception is, okay, that's a good thing that he's saying this. Bring forth the fruits of repentance. That was, you know, that was my thought. Let us see that God is really working in you because I think the Christian community is too quick to jump on people who just say, you know, I'm a Christian. They, they've been in whatever kind of life, so it doesn't even have to be a homosexual one. And i will become a Christian. And I think we have to be careful in that because I think, Many people want to do it out of pride. Oh, look what we've got. You know, they want to bring them into their church. They want to use them as their billboard. And that's not really what what Christ would have us to do. It's to help it's to help one another. Uh, as one preacher said, we're beggars, uh, helping other beggars find out where there's bread. And so the, the issue is that we're to give glory to God. So since you don't know who he is, that, that question is not going to apply there. But I'm sure that you've probably seen some people who've been in the public eye who have said they've become Christians, they've left this particular uh, kind of sinful lifestyle, and, uh, and maybe you've seen them. Do you have some examples maybe that you've seen in the past where you've seen the fruit of repentance? I think you and I talked about mutual friend Greg Quinlan. Yeah. Oh,
1: man. I, I've seen people repent and their lives turn around. I'm, I'm among many men and women that have walked out of that life you know, you think about, you know, Luis and Angel, the Pulse nightclub survivors. Angel was shot six times in 2016 at the Pulse nightclub, you know, and you can tell, you know, because of the bullets that hit his body that he was shot. And this guy's life has been transformed. Can, can you but,
0: elaborate on that? Cause I have not heard that story. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? In my conference,
1: I, I've been like a mentor to him and Luis and, You know, during the 2016, he shares a story that when he when the Pulse nightclub shooting happened, you know, he wasn't even, I think, intending to go to the bar. But he wound up going to the bar with some people. And then they heard this pop, pop, pop. Make a long story short. He saw them being shot. And there was one lady next to him who was screaming and hollering. The guy shot him and he was down. Then the guy was going by making sure everybody was shot or dead. And he literally closed his eye and the guy started shooting him some more. He got shot six times. Then the cops came in. They got him out, rushing to the hospital. And I think he was the one that his name is um, Angel Cologne. He was one of the first interviews that was done from the Pulse nightclub. And he survived that. And he knows it's only by the grace of God that he's alive. Now he's serving the Lord and sharing, you know, his story, him and Luis. As I said, they just spoke at my conference. That was a few last month. And they are a blessing. There's a girl named Laura Perry. She had gender reassignment surgery. She lives in Oklahoma. You can go to uh, 700 Club and see her story, Laura Perry. She looked just like a man. She was taking hormone pills. You know, she had her breasts removed. And when you hear her story, you can hear the compassion and the love that she knows that God had for her. And has she had to go back and have breast augmentation, because she had her breast removed and the injection she was taking and how she looked like a man. But just like me, her parent, her mom was praying for her in a Bible study. And now she's walking with God. Amen. I'm watching over and over and over and over again of people walking away from that life, putting one foot in front of the other. But really think about this. What does it mean to accept Christ? You know, that's just the beginning of our journey. It's like, when you buy a home and you sign a lease. And when we accept Christ, folks, it's like signing a lease. However, you still have to live out the terms when you sign that home lease and the terms that you live for Christ. And the agreement is that we will do the best of our ability to be Christ-like. But I want to make something very clear. That promise does not, when the Bible does not promise that when you give your heart to the Lord, that you're not going to have bad thoughts or you're not going to be tempted or you're not going to have you know desi- bad desires. You're going to deal with that. Christ was tempted. But when we accept Christ, he will give us the tools that we need to walk that out. He'll never give us more than we can handle. We cannot allow our flesh to lead us, but we got to keep fighting every day the good fight because as long as Satan's on planet Earth, His goal is to kill and destroy us. There's no redemption for the devil. So we're going to always have to look to God and trust him in everything that we do each and every day. And sometimes it's hour by hour and sometimes it's minute by minute.
0: Amen. I, could, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the passage because I've used it with another guy who died of AIDS. He was involved in that kind of a lifestyle, too. And the pastor went in. He didn't know the young man. And he said, can I can I go in his room or something? He found his journal. And in his journal, he had you know, he had been converted when he got really, really sick. He'd been converted. And one of the last entries contained this passage here. Psalm 119.71. And I get... I get choked up every time I think about this for those people. He wrote, it is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And I remember sitting and listening to that pastor. Give that testimony of that young man who couldn't testify for himself because it was his funeral. And I thought, how good is God that he will afflict, he will afflict us. He will chastise us because we are his children. He loves us. I take. We've got me, me and my wife have ten kids. When my kids would do wrong, we would discipline them. We would spank them. We would hug them. We would love them. We would pray with them. We'd point them as to why they were doing what was wrong and why we brought that discipline. And uh, I, you know, I, I think God is a good God. He's a good Father in doing those things. Uh, uh, Janet, we're, we're running out of time here. We've got about 20 seconds. I want, and I'll say goodbye to you after we close out, but I want you to tell people where they can find out more about you.
1: Yeah, you can go to my website, www.JanetBorningsMinistries.com. And if you reach out to us, we have a goal. We always succeed it. We'll reach you within 24 hours.
0: Amen. Amen. Janet Boynes, I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your testimony. We praise God for what he's done in your life and doing in the lives of others. Guys, don't miss Bradley, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, later today, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and we'll be back to, with you tomorrow again at 6 a.m. Eastern time, Lord willing. Till then, see you.